0: Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. (laughs) All right, y'all. I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. Turning to verse 25, if you have it, say amen. 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 The scriptures read this thus. Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. From there he went out and built Peniel. Jeroboam said to himself, the kingdom might now return to the house of David. If these people regularly go out to offer sacrifices in the Lord's temple in Jerusalem, the heart of these people will return to their Lord, King Rehoboam of Judah. They will kill me and go back to King Judah. So the king sought advice. Then he made two golden calves, and he said to the people, going to Jerusalem is too difficult for you. Israel, here is your new gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. He set up one in Bethel and put the other in Dan. This led to sin. The people walked in procession before one of the calves all the way to Dan. Jeroboam also made shrines in the high places and made priests from the, rams, from the ranks of the people who were not Levites. Jeroboam made a festival in the eighth month of the 15th day of the month, like the festival in Judah. He offered sacrifices on the altar He made this offering in Bethel to sacrifice to the calves he had made. He also stationed the priests in Bethel for the high places he had made. He offered sacrifices on the altar he had set up in Bethel on the 15th day of the eighth month. He chose this month on his own. He made a festival for the Israelites, offered sacrifices on the altar, and burned incense. So, The title for today's sermon is called The Entanglements of Illegitimate Worship. The Entanglements of Illegitimate Worship. Let's pray. Well, let's pray again. Lord, be with us. Be with me as I proclaim your text again. We love you. We praise you and thank you. I pray that you will bless those that are hearing your word May they know, Lord, that you are pursuing them because you love them and you care for them. And in order for us to have genuine, authentic intimacy and relationship, not just rituals, but relationship with you. God, may we hear your voice and may we respond in obedience. God, be with us. We love you. We adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. Please be seated. How y'all doing today? Y'all doing well? Amen. amen, amen. All right, let's get this thing popping. I don't know if y'all have, uh, you know, I don't know if y'all experienced this. I'm pretty sure we have some parents in here or some aunts, uncles. Um, you know, maybe you've witnessed this, right? I don't know if you realize how funny kids are, right? Kids are hilarious. I know minds are. <laughs> you know, they will plead, they will beg for you, you know, to buy them a toy of their choosing, their liking, their preference, right? But when they actually, when you actually get them the toy that they desire, that they really want, you know, they'll open it, they might play with it for a little while, but they'll end up spending more time playing with the package or the box that the toy was actually packaged in, right? They will spend more time actually playing with those things than actually playing with the toy. They might play, you know, they want to preserve the picture of the box. They want to preserve the packaging. They want to just hold it and just, oh, that's mine. I just want to hold on to it. Well, you have the toy. Well, no, I just want to, you have the toy. So the toy is the legitimate object in which it is that they have, but they want to hold on to that which is illegitimate, right? So with this idea of legitimate versus illegitimate, this is what we're going to be discussing today. Right? Yeah. So, right now with this passage that we just read in 1 Kings chapter 12, we're in the middle of a story or in the middle of a narrative. But before we go any further, I want to be able to give you a little backdrop. Lead up to where we are. Okay? So, we're talking about Jeroboam and the idolatry that he has committed. But who is this dude? Who is Jeroboam? Jeroboam, he was Israel's first king after the kingdom defected and split into two. You had the northern kingdom and you had the southern kingdom, right? The northern kingdom was consisting of ten tribes which made up Israel. The the southern tribe consisted of two tribes. The The southern kingdom consisted of two tribes which made up Judah. Jeroboam governed the northern kingdom. Rehoboam governed the south. How do we even get into this place, right? Well, Rehoboam was the son of the late king, King Solomon, right? Solomon was the the son of David. Rehoboam was the son of King Solomon. Solomon had passed, but Rehoboam was a young boy. You know, when you say a young boy, you know, he was young and he was ignorant. He was naive, inexperienced, right, lacked wisdom, very ambitious. Very naive, right? He was somewhere around the age of 16, but he was made king to rule and to govern all of Israel. A weighty task for a young boy, right? However, wise counsel that had some tenure, some experience, those who actually worked in proximity with his father, King Solomon, who helped him to govern his courts, right? They were the ones that, to help him, give him wise counsel. However, as a result of Rehoboam spurning and rejecting that wise counsel, that experienced counsel, this led to a series of events that actually came from the Lord God. As a result of rejecting that wise counsel, the people rejected him as king. They didn't want him to rule, right? They didn't want him to rule. And as a result of that, the people defected and made Jeroboam their new king. Now as a result of that, the kingdom, was now, the, the kingdom was now being divided and now being split into two. So now we have the northern kingdom, now we have the southern kingdom. You following with me? All right. As a result of that, civil war almost broke out. So now Rehoboam is the young king and he wants to maintain power. He wants his name to be heard. He wants people to know that he's ruling. So he wants to go back and reclaim what was his, the northern kingdom. So he was about to spark a civil war, and God was like, nah, we're not about to do that, right? So God sent the prophet Ahijah, was it Ahijah? Yeah, yep. I think God sent, God sent, the prophet, God sent one of the prophets to tell them, no, not to do that, all this is my doing. So now that the dust had settled, some years has passed, some things have occurred. I'm not sure how much time, but time has passed, which now brings us to these current events. Jeroboam is now king, and he now sits on the throne, right? My first point that I wanna bring to your attention, be careful when you choose position and prestige over the word of the Lord. Be careful when you choose position and prestige over the word of the Lord. Verse 25 says, Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. From there he went out and built Peniel, right? Jeroboam is now king for some time, so much so that it is said that he built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim. This was the first capital of the city of the northern kingdom of Israel. The kingdom, after it was once united, defected from under Davidic rule and and succession, right? So this place, Shechem, is now the national of the northern kingdom. As you look in verse 25, you see, well, you know, verse 25 going into verse 26. Verse 26 says, Jeroboam said to himself, the kingdom might now return to the house of David. Jeroboam is in fear of losing his own power. Losing his power and influence. Jeroboam said that the kingdom might return back to the house of David if these people regularly go to offer sacrifices in the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. The heart of the people will return back to King Jeroboam. Man, they will kill me and go back to Judah. He said this to himself. Now listen to this. No one ever said that to him. Where did he get this idea from? No one never said that to him. Not once. Now, I get it. You a king. You want to rule. You want to stay in power. You don't want to lose that, that, that place. Right? I think anybody who is in a position of authority or some type of prestige thinks like that to some degree. Right? However, perhaps, was it out of fear? I would say yes, but why? Perhaps maybe... Maybe he had grown accustomed to his living, his way of living and being in this prestigious place of power and status. Now he's wanting to, he's not wanting to lose that, right? The thought of losing the kingdom stimulated his fears. Perhaps he knew he felt his insecurities as an illegitimate king, right? I say illegitimate because he's not from the line of David. He wasn't from the line of David, right? And that also, he was thrust into power as a result of a coup, as a result of the nation defecting. Because when Rehoboam sought counsel, and he rejected the wise counsel, the nation was like, "Nah, we ain't rocking with Rehoboam. You, Jeroboam, we gonna make you king, right?" So that's in so many words, that's pretty much what happened, right? Whatever the case, whatever the case, his fears may be legitimate and valid. But he still received direct, clear words from the Lord via the prophet Ahijah in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 37 to 38. When you look in verse 37, and when you look in chapter 11, verse 37 to 38, God made a specific and unique call to Jeroboam and said that he was going to give the kingdom to him because of Rehoboam's disobedience. And failing to walk in compliance with my word. So this was a direct word that he received from the prophet of God. Now whenever the prophet speaks, you best pay attention. And you listen. Whenever thus saith the Lord, you know, it's, you know it's about to be smoke. Right? The greatest sin that Rehoboam committed was his distrust in what God had promised. That was where the beginning of his idolatry began. It wasn't the erecting of these strange, you know, shrines or, or, or calves or whatever. It was his heart's disposition to God, failing to hold fast to what God had said. He exercised a lack of faith and didn't think that God was going to sustain him. So he came up with a brilliant idea. I'm going to say this to you all real quick. Be very, very careful and be leery. Of whenever you come up with a bright idea in the face of God's Word and his promises Amen. be very very careful very careful right be very careful very careful let's take a look just just to paint the picture so you all know I'm not tripping let's look in the text let's look in, let's look let's, let's, let's take a look at that at Abram Abram before he became Abraham right the great patriarch of the faith. God appeared to him and promised that his descendants would not, that his descendants would be as numerous as the heavens if he can count them. What does he do? He himself didn't necessarily, he didn't come up with the idea. Wifey did, you know what I'm saying? Wifey came up with the idea, right? (laughs) Watch yourself doc, don't get in no trouble. (laughs) We don't, want no, we don't want no smoke, Bishop. We don't want no smoke, All right? <laughs> he himself he himself didn't come up with the idea, but this this is what happened. He gladly went along with the idea that wifey proposed. He didn't refute it. He wasn't like, nah, I, I can't do that, babe. That's, that's you my wife. Like God said, he, was, he didn't refute it, not once. He just was like, All right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how he was like, you know what I mean? So she said, hey, go sleep with my maidservant. He gladly went along with it and opposed the trusting on God and what he said he was going to do. As a result, Ishmael was born. Both Hagar and Ishmael had to be put out of the camp as a result of lack of trusting God. Ishmael is now born out of illegitimacy. And now, causing beef and tension between his wife and the expected heir to whom the promises were made. Now you have two new two lives that are now ravished and damaged and destroyed, and they've been banished out of the king. They've been banished out of the camp in the wilderness, and she thought she was going to die as a result of him not walking in obedience to what God actually said. Let's paint another picture. Let's take a look at King Saul. He was the very first king of Israel, right? Prior to him, you had all the prophets and the judges. But here, the people wanted a king, so God gave him Saul, right? He was called by God and appointed by God. However, towards the end of his rule, the Lord was displeased because he failed to trust in God and walk in obedience. God told him to go kill all them cats in 1 Samuel chapter 13. I can't remember the name of it. It sits in my tongue right now. God told him to go kill them all. Kill them all and kill all the animals. He came up with a, another brilliant idea. And because of peer pressure. You know what? I'm going I'm to keep the animals so I can make a sacrifice. Right? Samuel comes up on the scene and was like, yo, did you do what God told you to do? Yeah, I did what God told me to do. Yeah, I did it. That's right. I did it. Well, what's all that bleeding of sheep and all the noise of the animals that I hear? Because you failed to walk in God's obedience, your your disobedience is on par equivalent to witchcraft. Witchcraft. Being disobedient to God when God made something plain to you is on par with witchcraft. Let that resonate. Some of you, what are some of the things that God has made abundantly clear to you, that you, uh, you know, came up with a bunch of brilliant ideas, and you're doing your own thing, and now you're reaping a whirlwind. You're reaping a whirlwind. The cost is always more than what you ever anticipate. I'm gonna keep it moving. The other major problem with this verse and passage is that the people were regularly going to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices and worship. Not that this was a problem, but out of his fears, he went as far as leading the entire nation. The entire nation. One man led the entire nation into idolatry to preserve his own personal interest. Let that resonate. What have we done? What have we done? Let me ask the question, what have you done? What have I done? To what length or degree have we gone to preserve our own spaces, our own uh, position, prestige, platform, power, ego, image, whatever it may be, right? This is going to bring me to my second point. Be careful of making your worship solely out of convenience. I'm going to repeat that again. Be careful of making your worship solely out of convenience. Verses 28 to 30, right? So the king sought advice. I'm going to stop right there. I ain't going to go no further. Who did he seek advice from? Who? Look in the text. Who did he seek advice from? The text doesn't say, right? But the text does say, it said that, what did he say? You know what it says. He said, who did, the, uh, it's like, who, did, who did he seek advice from? The text doesn't say. What was said to him? What counsel was given to him? Where did he get this counsel from? Right? We don't know. All we know is that he sought advice and he got an answer. I want to ask this question. Who or whom do you seek your advice from? What kind of counsel is it that you are exposing yourself to? What is it that's being said to you that you may have e- that, that may have immediate, immediate as well as eternal implications to your life, right? Be very, very careful or be very concerned about what type of counsel that you are receiving, especially when it contradicts what God has said in his word, especially when God's word has been communicated and you know emphatically what has been said. Now, if you don't know and you still walk in disobedience, that doesn't take away your responsibility. It's your responsibility and your business to know. So you need to know what the word of the Lord has said and what God has communicated to us, right? Consider its source. What is the worldview of the source that you're obtaining your counsel from? Does it reflect the foolish disposition that Jeroboam, revealed, that, that Jeroboam rivals Rehoboam, who was the son of Solomon when he too was given horrible advice and the kingdom is now split into two because of Rehoboam's foolishness? rejecting that wise counsel, are you living life like that? Is it reflective of godly counsel? According to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 to 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6 through 18. Colossians chapter 2 verse 3, and there's a plethora of other verses. I want to encourage you, please, 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 please consider consider what is being communicated to you. Consider, is it in alignment or opposition to God's character and his will? What about God's mission? What about God's sovereign plan and rule to, to, to proclaim his glory throughout the, 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 the reign and rule of the earth, right? King Jeroboam, King, uh, King Jeroboam I'm sorry, King Jeroboam, he created these two idols, right? In verse 28, it says that he made two golden calves and said to the people, "Going to Jerusalem, too difficult, it's too difficult for you. Israel, here are your gods who brought you, up, uh, brought you up out of Egypt." This dude created two golden calves and used them as pawns and props to keep the people from going up to Jerusalem. This was the region that was established and developed for the worship of the one true God, the God of Israel, Yahweh, right? When you get a chance, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I want you to take a look at Exodus chapter 32. Read it. This was a problem because Jerusalem was the capital of the southern kingdom of Judah. It was the place of establishment of the divinic dynasty by Yahweh himself. This was the place that God had established and set up for His presence the the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant to actually dwell right? It was the place where the religious community and commitments and duties were held. the temple which pointed to the very presence of God, the systems of worship, the sacrificial systems for atonement of sin, offerings, etc. cetera, the, the, the Levitical priesthood, all of these pointed to the unique identity as belonging to the community of faith, God's covenant people. So he used these two idols to make it more convenient for them in regards of the distance and travel. And what are other challenges that may arise? The problem with that is God clearly communicated that worship of graven images of any kind were not to be made and reverenced. These consequences, therefore, of these practices, uh, the, consequences, the consequences of these practices of any circumstances was forbidden. You look at Exodus 20, verse three to four, Leviticus tra- uh, chapter 26, verse one, Deuteronomy six, verse 14 to 15, Deuteronomy four, 15 to 19, 25 to 31, Isaiah chapter 44, Verse nine through verse nine through nineteen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Excuse me. You're with me? Amen, amen. My third and last point Be careful be careful of creating illegitimate forms of worship. Be careful of creating illegitimate forms of worship. When you look at 31 to 33, Jeroboam also made shrines on the high places and made priests for the ranks of the people who were not Levites? Jeroboam made a festival in the eighth month of the fifteenth day of the month, like the festival in Judah. He offered sacrifices on the altar, made this offering in Bethel the sacrifice to the cat to make sacrifices to the calves he had made. He also stationed the priests in Bethel for the high pre- for the high places he made. He offered sacrifices on the altar he had set up in Bethel on the 15th day of the month, on the 15th day of the eighth month. And he chose this month on his own. He made a festival for the Israelites offered and offered sacrifices on the altar and burned incense. Now, because of this, Jeroboam is legitimizing, because of this, Jeroboam is legitimizing synchronistic practices synchronistic practices to replace true divine worship of the one true living God. That's what the calves represent. In its context, they religiously borrowed from the surrounding communities, the Canaanites, and represented the God of Baal and their fertility cult, mixing with Yahweh worship with Baal imagery. So they were taking worship that was reserved exclusively for God and creating a hodgepodge of Baal worship, Baal imagery with the worship of Yahweh. Does that sound familiar to any of us today in the culture that we're in? This is a false substitute. What does this mean? He utilized the spiritual form of worship to politicize his own agenda instead of what God had appointed him to do. And created a bootleg, cheap imitation version of worship that was established by God. This led the entire nation in rebellion and sin. The choice of his actions didn't just have immediate ramifications, but for generations to come. Generations after him, when you look in the scriptures, throughout the rest of 1 Kings, when you look in Chronicles, you see whomever occupied the throne as king, the scripture says throughout the rest of the book and even mentioned in other narratives that such and such did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as Jeroboam of Nabat caused Israel to commit idolatry or to commit sin, the worship of idols, two golden calves that were in Bethel and in Dan. So even though he committed these treasonous acts in this particular space and time, they had ongoing ramifications generation upon generation upon generation after he expired. Be careful of how you pro- be careful of how you worship. Because there is this generational implications strongholds bondage the establishment of shrines instead of building temples for the people to worship this allowed for the thriving of other religious practices that allowed popular forms of religious expression to flourish without undue restriction like there was no capping on the things that they were able that they that they were doing what they were doing was pretty much like gumbo you know what i'm saying like you know you got a combination of you got a combination of the bible you got a combination of buddhism you got a combination of witchcraft you got a combination of africans uh, african ancestry you know what i'm saying all on one altar and you say that you're calling on the name of the living god you writing stuff on the wall you you know you lighting candles you throwing rice you throwing grains you know what I'm saying? You're ringing a cowbell, you you sprinkling all kinds of, you know what I mean? Like that's not genuine, authentic worship. It's not. He made a line of priests as opposed to defending, or the, no, he made a, line of, made a line of priests as opposed to depending upon the Levitical priesthood. Now, the Levitical priesthood was serious business. Reason being, as Pastor, as Pastor Kurt mentioned in the series, the Hebrew series, right? The Levitical priest was serious business because if you did not enter into the very presence of God the right way, you had to go in with a rope tied around your ankle because you was going to get that smoke. You would drop dead. If you lit the wrong fire, burnt the wrong incense, you were guaranteed imminent death. Imminent. God did not mix matters or mix words concerning his holiness. You who are unholy dare come into holiness and you come incorrectly? How dare you? How dare we? Come correct. Put some respect on his name. The Levitical priesthood, they were the ones who mediated between God and the people that actually sinned. And even then, the priests had to make offerings for themselves. So you couldn't be deformed or have any health issues or anything of that nature to say that you're going to stand before the presence of God. You would disintegrate. And if the bells that they had on their tassels, if they were to stop jingling, they know that you were dead and they would drag you out. Those who were truly descendants of Levi, only the the, the position of the priesthood was reserved exclusively for them. Only. This dude went and chose random folk who had nothing to do with God's business and had no business being in God's tabernacle. Deuteronomy 18, 1 to 13, take a look at it. Exodus chapter 28 through 29. Take a look at it. That's your homework. Established, this dude, King, Jer- King Jeroboam, established and created a whole new festival day as opposed to what the Lord God had established, which was the feast of tabernacle. Right? He created a whole new, a, a whole new holiday, doing his own thing, right? Let me give some applicational, you know, situations. What do you do when worshiping God is difficult? When it's hard? When it's not comfortable or it's convenient? What do you do? Now, don't don't get it wrong. Sometimes sometimes getting into God's presence is work. It's hard work. There are times when you don't feel like it, and you feel like God is not near. But that's when you gotta press even more. Like I listen. I, I, I was convicted when I read this, John, because there are times when I don't even want to pray. And there have been times when I have not prayed. And I've experienced the, the, you know, the lack thereof. Right? What do you do? Do you subscribe to the same rubric as Jeroboam does? Or are you genuinely open to hear what God has laid up for you and for me? What things help you feel closer to God even though you're not close to him at all? What are some of the religious rituals that you may be doing that give you the that gives you the feeling of impression the feeling or impression that you're closer to God even though you're not? Where do you run to when you want to be in God's presence? Or where you want to run to if you want to be away from God's presence as if you could do that. If you're not too sure, take a look at Psalm 139 verses 7 through 12. Right? These are a few examples Of where we find illegitimate means in which we perceive that we may have had an encounter with genuine worship and intimacy with God. I said perceive. Key word. Perceive, right? I didn't say is. Perceive. When we indulge in habits of sin that seems promising but leaves us empty. Right? Running to food for comfort. Drinking, I'm not talking about water or juice, but adult beverages. Drunkenness, right? Being inebriated, not being sober-minded, right? Any and all forms of substance abuse, from mild to hardcore, because I know, you know know how we do, if there's a way for us to find some way to, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? like if we can find some way to kind of out of that jaw, like you know what I mean we we would so just to make sure I, I paint a broad stroke anything from mild to hardcore whatever that may be right anything that would you anything that you would depend on to alter emotional state for sake of coping illegitimate sex Outside the confines of marriage, that reserved exclusively for a husband and a wife. If you ain't married, you ain't got no business doing it. Not to say that, yes, I am. You have no business doing it. Point blank. Point blank. Talking to everybody but God. Working too much. Working too much. Other forms of religion, other forms of other forms of illegitimate other illegitimate illegitimate <laughs> I'm sorry illegitimate forms of spiritual rituals that we pursue this is for you Dr Sarita necromancing <laughs> necromancing burning sage and smudging burning sage and smudging praying to your ancestors Ancient religious practices, African, Caribbean, European, I don't care what part of the globe you're at, you're from, whatever those ancient rituals are, that falls in that category. So I'll make sure that you cover too. You look into your horoscope, trying to find out what your sign is. Are you a Sagittarius? Are you a Pisces? Astrology. Meditating on anything and everything but the word of God. spirituality or mysticism I should say black religious identity cults witchcraft or going to visit the, the witch doctor right obia for those from my, my caribbean folk those who from the Af- you know from africa obia or voodoo right making and offering sacrifices. You, you know, there's some folk, they, you know what I mean? They cut up chickens and they, offer them joins up and God knows whatever else. You know what I'm saying? And I was looking up some stuff on the web, just to, you know, I could have go so much deeper with this, but I was like, I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna just keep it at that. But some of the stuff that I saw was atrocious, right? In conclusion, I want to say, today, 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 we no longer have to succumb to these dead practices that are illegitimate. We no longer have to succumb to them, right? We don't. We don't. We don't. Because they're illegitimate and they have absolutely no power and they leave us continuously in search and in want. The Bible says in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir over all things and made the universe through him. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. How do you pay for your sin when you've committed divine treason? By your illicit forms of worship. How? How do you appease a judge that is holy, pure, righteous, and just when we try to approach him by substandard means and not having an accurate depiction of who he really is? This is the essence of idolatry. Idolatry is not seeing God or approaching God on his terms, seeing him the way how he has revealed himself to be in the scripture. Anything else is a caricature and it's a deformed, it's an idol. That's what it is. That's what it is. Because our sin, because of our sin, we need a mediator between us and God. Because, our, because of our idolatry, we need a mediator. We need a high priest. Jesus is the high priest. He is our mediator. I want to call for you to repent. Repent of your idolatry. Repent. Let us repent as the church. This is not necessarily for those who are unchurched, who don't know anything about God, man. This is for us. Because there's many of us that are indulging in some of these illicit practices. We need to repent and turn back to the Lord. Repent and believe in the gospel. The author of Hebrews says, but now he has appeared one time and at the end of the age for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment, so also Christ has been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Please, when you get a chance, please, this is too long. I want to read it. I'm running out of time. Acts 17, verse 22 to 31. No, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. Paul stood, listen, Paul stood in the the middle of the Aragapus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every aspect. For I was passing through, observing the objects of your worship. I even found an altar in which inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship is in ignorance. This I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. Do not, does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things for one man has made everything every nationality to live on the whole earth and deemed their appointed times the boundaries and where they live he did this so that they might seek God and perhaps reach out and find him though he's not far from each one of us for in him we live we move and have our being as even some of you poets have said Some of your lyricists have said, some of your artists have said, we are his offspring. Since then, we are God's offspring. We shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere, repent. Repent, 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 because he, he has set a day, he has set a day to judge the world in righteousness by the man that he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising them from the dead. By raising the Lord Jesus from the dead, Jesus' resurrection is the climactic point of God's proclamation throughout the whole world. Jesus Himself says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man, nobody can come to the Father but by me. Anybody else, you're gonna get that smoke. Believe in God. Believe also in me. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under the name of heaven given by people which men must be saved. Put your confidence and your hope and your trust in Jesus today. Repent and turn of our sins. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, I pray in the name of your Son, Jesus, Lord, that you would be with us, your people, those who actually belong to your flock, those who are your covenant people because you called us by your name and you've washed us by your blood. Not there's anything unique or special about us. Lord God, we were idolaters and many of us are. But because of the name of Jesus and because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we've been made to draw near. I always said to my kids, whenever they wash, whenever they're they're dirty, they use soap to wash their hands. Whenever the counter is dirty, we use antibacterial products. But what cleanses the soul when our conscience is, is soiled? with idolatrous practices, when we violated a holy and a righteous God, there's nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. God, have mercy on us. Forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of our unrighteousness. God, give us confidence to trust you. Help us to turn from our idolatry, our our idolatry many of us run to our idolatry because we really don't trust you we don't think that you we don't think that you're going to do what you say you're going to do we don't think that you legit we don't think that you're the real deal we don't think you're going to hold us down so therefore we got to come up with these other substandard practices to meet our pressing needs god would you continue to demonstrate your power from on high would you rescue us would you deliver us be our salvation, be what we need. Rescue us from our sin. Rescue us, O oh Lord, from your wrath, from your judgment and your condemnation. Rescue us, O oh Lord, from demonic forces that we entangle ourselves with. Be with us, God, we love you, we need you. I pray, Lord, that you will call us to repent and turn from our sins. Bring conviction by your spirit. We bless you. We love you. We worship you. We adore and we magnify. We make much of your name. We say Maranatha, Maranatha, Maranatha. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now we're going to transition into another intimate, very significant time of worship. This is legitimate. This is legitimate. We're going to take the elements of the bread and the wine that points to Jesus's installation of the new testament or the new covenant pointing to his body being broken for us for the remission of sin if you have your elements I got the mic I just can't open my jaw hold up Jesus prayed with the disciples that night and he says every time you do this do this in remembrance of me let's break Let's take and let's eat. The blood, the cup, it points to the blood of Jesus. All these other illegitimate approaches, offering sacrifices and things of that nature Jesus' body was the ultimate sacrifice and it was done once and once for all time. The Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. Let's drink as we celebrate and we ponder on God's greatness and his love and the power of his blood as it cleanses our consciousness and draws us near to himself. Let's drink. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, Father, we bless you. We thank you. God, we can't even wrap our minds around your greatness of your love and your care towards us and that you would, you would send your son. You would slaughter your own son. You punished and killed your own son so that we who were far off be draw near and it doesn't matter what our sin was if we put our confidence and our hope in Christ we're forgiven I thank you for that sacrifice I thank you Jesus for your body being broken God I pray that you would rattle our cages rattle the cage of our hearts take the scale off of our eyes God that we may see the glory and the majesty the beauty of what you have done and the potency and the power of your blood. God, we love you. I thank you for drawing us near and just being able to lay my head, lay our heads on your bosom, on your lap, and just being able to call you Father. God, we love you. God, I love you. who are far off, who are yet not a part of your flock, draw them near. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm sorry, y'all. Man, um, it is good to be with you guys. Um, I thank you all who were watching from afar, watching online. Um, I'm grateful to have this privilege and this honor of being able to proclaim God's word before you. I don't take it lightly. Uh, My heart is pounding in my chest. I pray that you are blessed. I pray that your heart is encouraged. Uh, Man, we love you. We look forward to meeting with you. look forward to engaging, rocking the house, praising and worshiping our King and our Savior. By God's grace, hopefully we'll be able to do it again next week. I'll see you all soon.